video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to Hello, watch my name's Justin McClure, and I'm here today with... Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast. We go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. Yeah. And I'm very glad to say that by the time people are listening to this, uh, I think we're only one week behind of new Blu-rays and DVDs. Yeah, I think this is... The, that's right. This is the first week of releases for the new year. This is the January 5th week right here. Wow. And what a group of winners has it been. So, in the wave of post-Christmas buying, what what have people been going to, Mark? What 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 is the hot ticket? Uh, the hot ticket. I mean, Tremors was an all-time hot seller over the over the um, holiday break. Uh, Curse of Frankenstein, which we talked about in the last episode, we blew through our copies. Um, Shop around the corner, obviously, because it was Christmas time, was huge for us. Apart from that, it was just kind of a mix of all the big releases that came out at the end of the year. The ones we talked about in the last few uh, last few episodes, they all kind of went in equal numbers. So I yeah. feel like the first movie on this list, which is also this week's Blind Buy, is probably one of your big sellers, right? Tintorera tiger shark yeah talk about a way to kick off 2021 with this release uh yeah scorpion so i i should say that uh technically i had seen this movie at 4 a.m in the morning at a uh, shock and awe film festival i remember nothing about it or i remember nothing about it other than the fact that so many sharks are killed so many sharks are killed on screen. Yeah, I would have to say that the sharks are almost the good guys in this movie. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's mostly like a shitty love triangle by oh three people God, you yeah. love to hate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you ever? Yeah. I love, though, that this film is being put out by Kino slash Code Red. And so many people are going to be like, what the hell is this? I know, right? It definitely kind of oversells the shark action in it. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of shark killing but there's not 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 the kind of shark action you would expect from this um i kind of went into this thinking it was going to be yet another jaws type ripoff and like didn't i warn you i was like it's not mark it's not because this is a film directed by the guy who did um beaks nights of terror and he also did uh night night of a thousand cats and his films are like filled with animal abuse if you want to see a cat get thrown 300 (laughs) feet into the air Rent uh, Night of a Thousand Cats. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, I think this is actually the first Rene Cardona Jr. film I've seen. I was looking through his filmography, um, which is very extensive to almost to like a Jess Franco-ish level. Um, and this is like, I think the first one I've seen. But uh, yeah, he is not kind to animals. And uh, the two main characters in this, which are two Mexican guys who are shark hunters, I guess. I, I don't know. You don't really get the vibe that they're shark hunters at first but then it you know becomes apparent that this is what they like to do and there are just endless scenes of them viciously killing sharks and like no matter how you feel about sharks whether you love them or hate them this is some pretty like cringeworthy stuff all i remember from the screening at shock and awe was that they gave out noisemakers and they were like every time there's a shark on screen blow on your noisemakers and of course within five minutes a bunch of chuckleheads would just blow on the noisemakers every time anything appeared on screen and you're like make it end (laughs) they should have put a noisemaker version on this blu-ray yeah i know right well that's the thing i mean there really isn't like the story of this really doesn't even have that much to do with sharks at the end of the day because you're right it's just about two guys who are these lotharios who go around picking up women um and then finally they settle on one blonde british lady played by susan george 
uh, and they have some weird sort of like three-way relationship thing, like no strings attached, friend, sex relationship thing that is very awkward. I mean, I, I really love 70s movies with guys who are trying to be like extremely like heterosexual. Oh man, there's some great mustaches in this movie too. I mean, the scenes where they're all sort of like making love together are hilarious to me. Uh, especially the one <laughs> yeah. scene where she like, they're in bed together and she's making out with one guy and she kind of like turns over and then she just starts making out with the other guy. It's like, it's too good. It's too good. Um, so there's a lot of that. There's a lot of homoerotic tension in this movie, which is hilarious. But I love the way that plot points are just dropped, too. Like, they get together with, like, multiple different ladies, and then they just, like, disappear. Um, I don't know if you remember, like, the first lady that the lead character, like, the blonde guy gets together with. They start to have a bit of a relationship, and then she you know, goes for a nighttime swim and, you know, tragedy strikes. And then they just both totally are like, well, I guess she she just skipped out. Yeah, she skipped out on the bill. Left me, uh, well, I guess we'll never hear from her again. And they just totally Let's forget. go kill some sharks. And then there's a montage set the smooth jazz music of sharks being speared. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, the music is so, uh, is so cheese. Apart from the shark action, I did, you know, kind of enjoy this movie because it was so cheesy and ridiculous and really didn't seem to have much interest in shark action at all. It really just felt like it wanted to be some weird romantic erotic drama or something. Um, but, you know, uh, the shark stuff was really hard to watch. So I, I don't know. It's hard to give it a full recommend based on that you know what i'm gonna give it a full recommend because there are so many shark movies this will undoubtedly surprise anyone who rents it what what is this kino put this out like this is the bottom of the shark like cult barrel like now that uh cruel jaws is out and tintorera has a special edition it's like the last frontier of classic shark movies i assume you saw the severin announcement for deep blood coming out in a few months too right are they putting out wait is that's a just amato movie right or, uh, joe d'amato joe d'amato yeah, yeah. Oh, how dare I say Just Amato. Yeah, I know. Jeez. <laughs> that, that is like the bottom of the barrel. Oh, I deep know. Blood. Like that is like real shit. Of course, I'm going to have to buy it. I need oh, that, yeah. that trilogy of shark movies. <laughs> exactly. I'm very much looking forward to that one. Uh, that but one yeah, is filled. I don't think there's one second of new shark footage. kind of like Krill Jaws in that movie. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, Tintorera, great way to start off the new year. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of great location scenery. Uh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, I think there's some extras on this and there's some different... Are there two different cuts of this movie on the Blu-ray, by the way? I don't believe there is, but I know that there's like an extended edition of this film. Yeah. But I don't think it's on this Blu-ray. Right, because yeah, the one I watched was, I guess, yeah, the 87-minute version on it. But then I was looking it up after and there's like a... There's a version that's over two hours of this film, which apparently includes a lot of backstory. Yeah, there is. Almost all of uh, Rene Cardona Jr.'s films have like two hour versions like a net of a thousand cats there's like an 80 minute version but there's also like a 110 minute version yeah as well. that seems to be the case um and then on another amusing side note i was looking up the the lead actor hugo stieglitz a uh, mexican guy who i guess was in a lot i don't know him that well but he was in a lot of renee cardona films uh but he was also the star of an early 90s uh pre-free willy whale movie called kiko have you heard of this movie no kiko on peligro it's an early 90s mexican film that is like a family film about a whale from outer space like an extraterrestrial whale <laughs> that, come, that comes to earth and is like held in captivity 
And apparently it was like, they call it like a precursor to Free Willy, but the, the whale's from space. Wow. Uh, so, and that was directed by Rene Cardona's son, Rene Cardona III. So, junior, junior. Junior, junior. <laughs> yep. That's how it works. So, uh, moving on, we have the Black Gestapo. Yeah, it says exactly what it does on yeah. the tin. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen this film? I don't know. It looks kind of fun. I feel like I have, like a long time ago, because the title was intriguing enough for me to check out. I remember it being sleazy. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, it seems like it. Uh, this one's been selling pretty well, though, too. So, I guess, you know, there's a cult behind this. But, uh, yeah, not, uh, not quite sure about this one here. And another release of Savage Street. Because the world can't get enough of them. Well, didn't Ronin Flicks have like an exclusive release of this recently? Yes, they did. I think it was like a two disc special edition. I've never been a very big fan of this one. Rape Revenge film directed by the guy who made Friday the 13th Part 5 starring Linda Blair. Right. Yeah, you know, I've never actually seen this film. Always been kind of curious and just never gotten around to it. But yeah, they, I feel like this has been released so many times now that I don't really know. This one's put out by Code Red in association with Kino, and I think there's a bunch of extras on it. I don't think it's as loaded as maybe the Ronin Flicks one Well, there's was. always been, like, big special editions for this film. Like, there was a two-disc DVD edition of Code Red that used to go for, like, $300. Yeah. And then it was released again, then Ronin Flicks put it out, and now uh, Kino's putting it yeah. out. Yeah. So, it's back. And whoa, what's this? Something just came back from the past. It's a slate of seven <laughs> titles. Yeah, let's jump into our time machine and go back to October. And oh, year. wow, all the seven titles that were supposed to be released then. Good thing they're classics that, oh no, I just looked at the titles. Oh, no. oh, oh no. I mean, the first one, Shock Treatment, looks kind of interesting. I don't know. Yeah, this is another thing that like... Did a French distributor come out of the woodwork? Because all these cult companies are like, guess we're releasing French movies now. Yeah, no, I, I when this one first came up, I was like, oh, you know, the musical shock treatment. Okay, that seems like a good That's what I thought it Sanford. was, too. But like, nope, that's not it. It's a 1973 movie called Shock Treatment with Alain Delon, actually. So it's got mm-hmm. a bit more of a art house cachet to it, I guess, than like a lot of Severin I mean, did stuff. Severin ever release Captain Ron? Because I know they announced yeah. it. <laughs> I, know. I don't think so. I, I can't wait for that day, though. Yeah, because the guy said he got drunk and he emailed the company and they were like, yeah, you can release it if you want. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've got uh, Alain Delon in a sort of thriller horror movie about a French businesswoman who goes to a remote and popular rejuvenation clinic after a breakup. Uh, and another so, rejuvenation clinic horror movie. I know. It's almost like a cure for wellness kind of precursor, you know? Or uh, that one that starred um, Jamie Lannister. What was it called? You know, though he wants to go die somewhere, mm. and they're monsters. Yes, uh, exit plan, exit plan. All yeah. right, so we also have the Black Cat. Uh, speaking of bottom of the barrel, this one's directed by Luigi Cozzi, an unofficial sequel to Suspiria. Is it really? Eh? Okay. I did not know uh, that. I watched this many a years ago and remember being very disappointed. Oh. But I feel like I see a lot of reviews of people buying the disc and they're like, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I spent $32 on this. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, there's so many movies called The Black Cat now, too, that I was, you know, very confused. Well, at I don't first know what this one is. Yeah, I don't really know. So either. we also have Patrick Still Lives. I don't know if this is an official sequel I think to Patrick. It's unofficial, yeah. <laughs> I think it's, uh, I want to say it's. 
because the original Patrick is Ausploitation. Australian, right? yeah. Uh, and this is Italian. This one is Italian. So I believe this was an unofficial sequel that they were just trying to capitalize off of I Patrick. have never seen this one, but I remember clips where uh, from Not Quite Hollywood where they showed like, look how bad this movie is. And now it's on Blu-ray from Saturday. I know. <laughs> In a nice, you know, special limited edition. There you go, people. We also have another release out of um, Kino and Something Weird's Exploitation line in Gagi, uh, which is a gorilla film. You know what? This has been the hottest seller this week for some reason. Why? I know. So I didn't. I thought Tintorera might be the biggest seller, or you know, Savage Streets or something. No, no. We as soon as the phone lines opened on Tuesday morning, Ingaji. That's what anybody could. That's what all anybody could ask about. Apparently, this is a big deal because it was like a faux documentary kind of thing that then was like kind of exposed to be obviously fake and it's you know super racist obviously but then it also potentially served as an inspiration for king kong i'm hearing so like the original king kong so i don't know apparently there's a lot behind this movie that i certainly wasn't aware of yeah the film is about like women being given to gorillas as sex slaves so that's the thing that's flying off the shelf yeah like yeah no it is flying off the shelf i mean they've plastered all over this release kino and something weird how it's like you know this exploitation classic never been available it was banned for so long like it's just you know hasn't been able to be seen in any sort of way and forever until now i guess so maybe that's why people want it so bad i I don't know where people even heard about this movie because when i was looking it up it is part of the yeah the kino something weird sort of like line of forbidden fruit stuff that they were doing uh with all those educational videos and those ones don't really sell all that well so i kind of thought this would be similar to that Apparently not. This is this is a big so, deal. So, moving on to classics, we got three films by uh, Louis Bunuel from Criterion, where they're like, I don't know, just take three films. It's not a box set, but I guess <laughs> these three movies, whatever. Discreet Charm of the Bourgeois, Phantom Liberty, and The Obscure Ob- Object of Desire, whatever. Well, these were the three that they had on DVD and then were out of print for a while, so I don't. I guess they lost the rights. I thought maybe Kino would be picking these up because of the Studio Canal thing, but... Now Criterion's put out a new set. Um, I do really love these films. Um, I I love Bunuel in general, but I particularly love these three films, especially The Phantom of Liberty. It's just really hilarious. If you know, if you haven't seen these and you like surrealism, this is like the primo example of that. So funny. Do you think Criterion will ever turn around and be like Bunuel box set of everything we own the rights to? Uh, it's hard to say now that they've released this set. I feel like if they were going to do that, they wouldn't have put out this three film one, but. Mm. You never know. I mean, they did put a three-film Blu-ray out of those Ingmar Bergman films before the big, big set. So, yeah, it's it's possible. <laughs> so, yeah. It's very possible would. now that I'm thinking about it more. Uh, I know they do own the rights to a lot. Like, they've released a lot of his other films like Belle du Jour, Exterminating Angel, and a bunch yeah, of Yeah, they own enough to make, I think, a pretty solid box set. And there's a bunch that are still, like not really available or were only available in like public domain so maybe they could get their hands on those i mean i know el bruto got that vci restoration release last year so there's probably a few they can't get but maybe who knows i mean they're you know diving deep into these big filmmaker boxes so we also have the train the john frankenheimer film uh, from 1964 i really like this movie and was disappointed to see this was not a big special edition no i mean i know this was one of the ones that twilight time put out once upon a time and i don't know if there was much on that either um but i know we were getting asked a ton about that yeah i don't know with this one i mean kino's you know put a slip cover on it to try and make it look maybe more classier than their regular 
releases. Here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know if there's a ton on it. It seems like it's kind of just a port of their previous DVD mm. release of it. So moving on, we have a whole bunch of titles. I'm going to rapid fire through because I have nothing to say about them. <laughs> we have Beach Red, a film directed by Cornell Wilde about World War II starring Cornell Wilde. Great. Awesome. We have Captain, awesome. Captain Newman, MD, a comedy starring Gregory Peck and Tony Curtis. <laughs> there's never been two funny Hilarious. Men. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have Rough Night in Jericho. It's a Western that, oh man, the people on Letterboxd do not like. But you know what? I've never seen, so maybe oh, weird. it's people great. People have been buying this one, so I don't know. This one's been selling more than huh, the other maybe two. Maybe it's been unavailable for a while. We also have The Secret War of Harry Frigg. <laughs> I know, <right? laughs> What a title. Direct, uh, starring Paul Newman, another World War II film. And then we have Texas Across the River, a Dean Martin, Alain Delon starring Western. I see a theme here of famous uh, actors in Westerns and war films that people don't talk yeah, about. Yeah, war Western week here. All right. So moving on, we have Mario Rospoli, Prince of Wales, plus collected shorts, a release by Kino Metrograph. Yeah, my my guys at Kino Metrograph putting this out. Um, although I don't know much about this either. Apparently, Mario Rospoli was a uh director of documentaries, but also a photographer, a writer, a zoologist, a gastronomist, a student Sounds of like Korea. a rich guy. Yeah, he's basically just one of those guys that apparently did everything, um, and one of those things was making documentaries. Uh, and he was good friends with Chris Marker. Oh, was he? Do you actually know that? Oh, okay, okay. Well, that'll probably be the big uh, draw on this. Um, yeah, I honestly didn't know much about this guy, but I'm always intrigued when Metrograph puts something out. So this actually starts the big thing on this is the documentary Mario Rispoli, Prince of Wales, which is just about him that they've done recently. But it also is a nice set that includes a bunch of his documentary shorts. Uh, so if you're looking for a new, uh, you know, documentary guy to get into that you never really heard uh, of. Moving on, open up your wallets because it's the imprint corner. <laughs> They're back, baby. We have At Close Range, the James Foley film. Have you ever seen this one? I have actually. Um, not crazy about this as much as... <laughs> okay, not good, says Mark. No, no, I like it. I think it was one of those films I had wanted to see so badly for so long for some reason. I just really like, you know, Christopher Walken and just thought it looked like a cool crime thriller. I like James Foley. And then I finally watched it maybe like know, five or six years ago. I finally threw it on. It, it was okay. Like, I didn't like it wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be. But I know a lot of people really love it. Never this forget listening to the commentary for James Foley's The Corrupter, mm. the Chattering Fact, Marky Mark film. And in the first five minutes of the commentary he's like i tried watching one of those uh chattering fat uh hong kong films but i turned them off 20 minutes in they're not really real movies to me i was like fuck you the guy who directed 50 shades of something yeah yeah 50 shades like 50 shades sequels (laughs) i mean i mostly like james foley because he's the director of fear which is one of my favorite films. oh you love fear uh but yeah i don't really think he's that great of a director but yeah clearly he doesn't have much fear used to play on tbs all the time oh man i know and all that i remember is marky mark snapping that one dude's neck oh i know yeah uh fear is just an all-time favorite of mine and it is very well directed i will say but um, where's the imprint release of fear i know i know please come on i mean there's just a bare bones blu-ray out there we need a deluxe special edition of this asap uh speaking of stuff that needed deluxe special edition it's kenneth branagh's dead again this is definitely something for the old people here <laughs> people, people love this film especially our customer our clientele love this film i don't know um i've never seen it actually i've always been kind of intrigued but it's you know that kind of like 
It is a like a suspense. It's like a crime mystery sort of thriller. It's like right? a noir thing, but there's supernatural elements. Robin Williams shows up at one point. I think it's just Kenneth Branagh and the fact that it's like reincarnation Thompson, you stuff. Know? Yeah, so it's just got a cast that really appeals to people. I mean, it was written by Scott Frank. You know, oh, He's I like Scott Frank. Cool, yeah. right? Yeah, we like Scott Frank. So. I don't know. It's supposed to be really good. It's been one I've always been curious with, but just never got around to. But, you know, and, you know, it's never been on Blu-ray. It's always just existed in kind of a crappy looking DVD. So it here here it is on Blu-ray and it's about sixty five dollars. So sixty five dollars. <laughs> These imprints, man, they uh, they don't go Holy cheap. Holy shit. How many do you sell, though? Um, so far, not many of these. Um, okay, so none. Well, the thing is, you know, we brought, we started bringing in the Indicator series several years back. And at first, you know, we didn't think those oh, would sell. Oh, right. Imprint is the Australian yeah, so, one. I forgot yeah. that the Indicator. So yeah, Indicator yeah. was, you know, the U.S. $65. one. I know. Well, we thought when we were bringing Indicator in that people might not go for those because those were like 50 to 55. But you know what? Those sold well. We were like, okay, I guess people want these. So with Imprint, we thought it'd be kind of the same situation. Those have not been selling as well. I don't know if it's just because of the pandemic or people don't know about them, but the ones we've gotten so far, I would say like even Heart 8, which is probably the most sought after one, uh, hasn't really. We've only moved like maybe a couple copies. So. Wow. Although for some reason, we had a bunch of people pre-ordered at close range and, and dead again, actually. So maybe those two are a little more... <laughs> I don't know, sought after, but I, I mean, they go, uh, they're really expensive on the imprint website as well. Basically, the, they retail for $50 Canadian. Yeah, no, it's... If you ordered them directly from the imprint site. So it's not like, so plus shipping, yeah, it'd probably be more than $65. Well, you know, I took the dip myself and bought myself a copy of Day of the Locust before Christmas. So <laughs> <laughs> you did. And you're like, I'm sorry to your loved one, your loved one. You're like, no Christmas presents this year. I got myself Day of the Locust. <laughs> well, I kind of, I got it as a gift for my partner because it's one of her favorite movies of all time. And ju- oh, I just kind of justified it. So you did it one that, of those? I justified it she's that like, way. She's like, why does it say two Mark Hansen <laughs> yeah, <right>. on it? <laughs> like, no, she's probably an even bigger fan of it than I am. So, you know. All right. So moving well. on, we have one last imprint title. And this one is definitely worth the $65 price tag. It's Fire in the Sky, the alien abduction movie. Uh, yeah. You know, I've never actually seen this one. I, I need, I need to watch this. What? I know. I know. It's crazy. It's a blind spot of mine. I mean, um, this one has an amazing like 15 minutes minute short film where you see what happened on the alien ship oh, okay. when the guy got abducted yeah. definitely worth the price of admission but then there's more movie after that and you're like oh, okay this is not very good <laughs> where the guy's like dealing with the ptsd of uh, being abducted by aliens. right right i mean i'm a big fan of communion which is like similar same writer how did you not or... didn't you come to the royal screening where uh rochelle did fire in the sky and uh, communion no i meant to come to that and i missed out on it and then i've just been meaning to to watch it ever since and, <laughs> and you've lived in regret I have, ever I since have. i mean I could have easily just rented the DVD and watched it, but... It's not the same. So, uh, this is not an imprint title coming up next, and it's not a special edition either. Disgusting. Paramount's release of The Phantom. I know, people have been waiting for this one, right? Yeah, (laughs) I love Billy Zane's The Phantom. Do you love this film? Because I loved this film as a kid, and then I watched it again maybe like four or five Mark years ago slam evil and i know slam evil um didn't hold up as well for me a few years ago are you kidding billy zane gives the lowest key performance in any superhero film that i have ever seen i can only imagine it's because he and treat williams had a meeting and treat williams is like i'm gonna be the big one <laughs> and billy, billy zane's like all right all right i'll be the the the, the little yeah, one right. then um 
I don't know. I mean, you know, you know, I love Billy Zane. We both love Billy Zane here oh, so much, so and I do wish that this kind of catapulted him to a bigger career, maybe than than he would have <laughs> than he had otherwise. Because this wasn't like maybe that if big it had been hit. directed like Joe Dante, oh, who was supposed to Who do directed it this up again? until was shooting it, uh, started. Simon Windsor, some, or was that no? Some special effects guy directed it. Who I don't think did anything else afterwards. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I like I think I like the look of this and the feel of it maybe more than I don't know, I just found it kind of boring the last time. Oh no, time wait, I watched you're it. right. It was Simon Winsor, the man behind Free Willy. Um, I like Simon Winsor generally. Well what the hell? Was he asleep <laughs> like, when he made the Phantom? What happened there? I know. Oh, the director of like, Operation Dumbo Drop. Yes, that's who it is. Big fan of Simon Winsor. Big fan. Hey Crocodile um, Dundee I, in Los Angeles. What a filmography. I never made it that far. Um <laughs> but I just feel like there's a better version of the Phantom that could have been made. Hey, look, Billy Zane, literally the entire film talking like this. Like, hey, it's me, the Phantom. <laughs> I know. Do you know that Bruce Campbell was almost the Phantom? He got as far as doing screen tests for it. Oh, no way. You know, I totally buy that, though. I feel like he would have been perfect. I mean, Billy Zane is perfect, but if you don't have Billy Zane. So moving on to new Mark. New stuff. And hey. Yeah, there's not even that many new movies this week. It's an early January lull. But uh, first up, we've got uh, the biggest one, I guess, of the week, Love and Monsters. Is it a big one? Because I don't hear anyone talking about it. I remember it. when it came out, just seeing like ads on like everywhere for it. But I don't know. Did people like this? I or? saw it. I liked it. It was very good. And it's not based on a property. It's an original film. It looks like it has a pretty big budget, uh, too. Because this was supposed to be like a big theatrical release, I assume, Essentially, right? the premise is that uh, the apocalypse happens bunch of monsters come on planet earth then it jumps like i think five years and um a guy who had split up with his girlfriend uh when the monsters attack decides to trek across the wasteland to go meet her at the place that she's at all by himself and he fights a lot of monsters along the way and he's a big old loser so that's fun and no it does not have an ending where you're like, ew, gross. Like, he thinks that his girlfriend would still want to date him after five years. So, yeah, it's like, are you, are you crazy? What did you think was going to happen? That is the reaction in this movie. Well, that's refreshing. I, I, I like that idea. It's written by the guy who wrote The Babysitter and Spontaneous. He wrote and directed Spontaneous, which I watch since i think we mentioned on the podcast and that movie is very good okay you know what i've heard better and better because i think when we talked about it on the podcast we were just like oh the babysitter that movie was yeah, terrible i don't like the babysitter <laughs> but uh but yeah the more i've been hearing about it, the more people i know have watched it apparently it's yeah it's actually a lot of fun so i'm glad to hear but you like i said it. on that episode i do not like movies with uh, sudden shocks and that film is filled with some because <laughs> people just explode without any warning nice <laughs> so uh next up uh, i think you've seen this one too right 12 hour shift I have and have you seen I it I haven't yet I, I gotta get you, you are not doing your David Arquette know, duty Mark. hey I, I, I watched the David Arquette documentary alright All right. yeah I like six months ago <laughs> I wa we watched Mob Town and, all right? and you haven't even seen Spree yet which David Arquette also stars in only true David Arquette's would, fans would watch Mob Town alright so <laughs> okay yeah uh, you can't stick to that and, for and years that sci-fi yeah and that sci-fi movie he was in earlier this year right the, those are the true oh that's true David, you did watch that one those are the uh, true so David Arquette Shift movies is a film about the star of May Betty what's her last name and Angela Bettis Angela Bettis yeah good old Betty as I like to call her I know she's her, her great she's do. great uh, she plays a, a very tired uh, nurse at a hospital 
who also on the side takes organs from uh, people that she helps die. She helps kill. Okay. And um, she moves them and a uh, shift starts very badly when she's supposed to transfer a kidney to someone and the organ gets lost and then they have to find a replacement and stuff just gets out of hand from there. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, I've been hearing amazing things about this ever since I think it was at Fantasia. I meant to kind of check it out there and didn't get around to it. But yeah, everybody's saying this is amazing. Glad to hear you enjoyed it. And you know, how's David Arquette in it? Is he good? Uh, yeah, he's not in it that much. He plays a, a cop killer who's like chained to a police bed. And uh-oh, at one point does he get Maybe. out? <laughs> all right, all right. No spoilers. Uh, but yeah, but he's only one piece in like, there's like mob killers. Uh, the person that was supposed to transport the heart starts panicking and starts killing people trying to steal their organs and she keeps taking the wrong organs. So yeah, it's very fun. And you get Angela uh, Bettis in the middle of this just, you know, acting her heart out. She does not act enough and it's very she sad doesn't. that she doesn't. Yeah, and I really, yeah, I loved her in May. I, I liked that film that she directed quite a bit. Um, Roman, remember that one? You seen oh that? yeah, the unofficial, well, it is an official sequel to May, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that was fun. So I'm just looking up 12 Hour Shift 2 on IMDb right now, and it's got one of the funniest trivia items here. It says, this film stars two former pro wrestling world champions, Mick Foley, who I didn't realize was in this movie. I mean, star is very uh, strong word, considering he appears in only one scene. And then, as well as David Arquette, a one-time WCW <laughs> World Heavyweight Champion. Yep. So, uh, Mark, moving on. What's so, next? So, next up, we've got Yellow Rose, which is a film about a uh, really well-acclaimed film about a uh, Filipina teenager in uh, – or young woman – young Filipino woman who lives in Texas who is pursuing her dream of being a country singer. So, yeah, I hear it's really good. Uh, it's been getting a lot of awards, playing a lot of festivals, and, um, yeah, the lead actress in it is supposed to be very, very good. So, look out for her. And, yeah, check this one out. Uh, next up, we've got Girl, which stars Bella Thorne, who I feel like we talk about a lot on this podcast. A movie called Girl? Da-da-da-da! Not allowed! da I know. If try and look this up on IMDb. you got to parse through, like, so many different movies. Uh, but this stars Bella Thorne as a young woman who returns to her ho- hometown to kill her abusive uh, father, but then gets there and uh, finds out he's already been killed, and she kind of, like... By a werewolf! Yeah! No, she finds out there's a bunch of dark family secrets and such. I don't know. Uh, Mickey Rourke is in this movie as well, so... Oh, hey, no, poor Mickey. Otherwise, I don't know. I mean, Bella Thorne. Do we, do we like Bella Thorne? Bella Thorne, Thorne would seem know. like someone that you would obsess over. Does she not have her own reality TV show not yet? Yeah. Well, she had the whole OnlyFans scandal, right? Which yeah, I, feel I like remember we that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I really, I don't really know Bella Thorne much apart from that, uh, but I see her fit, you know, she seems to have been in a few movies recently. She was in Chick Fight, which we talked about recently. She was in Infamous, which we talked about recently. It just feels like Bella Thorne's making a lot of movies right now. So moving on, we've got Mystery Road Series 2, which is a very popular uh, Australian outback kind of like detective show, uh, which was based on an initial movie from about five years ago. Uh, With but- a road filled with mysteries Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's a lot of mysteries on that road it's long it's endless uh (laughs) next up we've got my german friend uh which is kind of to do with world war ii it actually it actually takes place in argentina though it's an argentinian film about um daughter of german jewish refu 
refugees and the son of German Nazi refugees who fall in love. It's like Romeo and Juliet or something. I don't know. It spans decades as they get involved in various things. And I don't know. It's one of those kind of movies. Apparently, it's really good. But, you know, I know you're not going to watch this because you don't like World Uh, War II. You know what? I like pulpy World War II uh, action dramas. Yeah. But all of this, like, maudlin. Uh, World War II stuff. We I have know, right? like 50 years of it. No more, please. No more. Well, you're going to be real happy then with the next two titles because it's more World War II stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so we've also got Where I Belong, which is a drama about a young Austrian woman who had fled to England with her father after the war and falls in love with somebody. And are you snoozing yet or not? And to finish up the World War II stuff, we've also got The Keeper, aka Troutman, which is a story about a German POW who is really good at soccer, so he is recruited by Manchester City. I think this is a true story, actually. Uh, recruited by Manchester City to play goal. It doesn't make it I right. I know, but then the fans get I know the fans get mad because, you know, obviously he was a German soldier and there are a lot of Jewish fans, and yeah, it's basically like a soccer World War II. Or I guess I should say football World War II. I agree. He shouldn't be on the team. <laughs> yeah, he shouldn't. But he was. And I don't know. They make it sound like, you know, it's he's just really a nice guy or something. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> Who is this trout man? I'm not sure. I don't really follow football. So <laughs> Well, he's we a man. He's a trout. He's a trout man. He's a trout man. <laughs> and anyways, we got a couple documentaries up next. We've got Assholes, A Theory. Which is based on a very famous book by who is it? Is it Malcolm Gladwell? Why am I thinking Malcolm? Gladwell? Ugh, Malcolm no, Gladwell. it's not. It's uh, it's not. I don't know why I thought that. It's Aaron James. I don't know. So basically, it was that book about why people are such assholes these days, and they made a movie of it, star or narrated by everybody's favorite asshole, John Cleese. So, oh no! Yeah. He's like, I have to do this. I have so many um, bills to pay due to my divorces. And this is actually a Canadian film too. So this, and actually, of the- course, it is. I'm sure it's filled with telefilm money. Uh, the NFB actually put their weight behind this. So, but there you go. And then we've got Our Time Machine, which is a very well-acclaimed documentary from a couple years ago. It was playing uh, some festivals. It's about a Chinese artist who finds his father is uh, suffering from advanced Alzheimer's and decides to put on a stage play with him to go back through his memories. It's this big, like, conceptual art piece kind of thing. Supposed to be really good, though, uh, and really, like heartwarming but also sad and you know if you want something for with that'll give you a lot of feels this will probably be right up finally (laughs) drum roll we're we're at the end and we've got a really interesting film coming out this week called from the depths it's another another hit of shark action here go shark listen we started with sharks we end with sharks sharks. and this is a brand new shark movie but i will say uh if you're looking for like a typical like jaws type movie with a lot of shark action this is not the movie you're gonna want to see because there is most the the entirety of this movie takes place after the shark action has already happened so there is actually like that very little shark action in it so is it like repulsion but with a shark sort of yeah because when the shark appears oh it appears in the best possible way i'll tell you that so let me set this up real quick this initially was supposed to be our blind buy this week, but this movie is apparently pretty impossible to find because I think it's just premiering on DVD this week and like 
I don't know, nowhere else? Is this not streaming anywhere or on VOD? It's not streaming anywhere. So I yeah, this is, a, I guess, a DVD exclusive here. Uh, I first heard about this movie last year through an article where it was getting made, and I just was automatically intrigued by the premise. So it's about a young woman who uh, has after being involved in a shark attack which she survives but her sister and her boyfriend die she is basically living through the trauma of trying to deal with you know the after effects of being a shark attack so she there's scenes of her going to her therapist and just kind of having these nightmares where she's always in the water and getting dragged under by something um but the funniest thing about this movie is she spends most of the most of the movie is filmed in her house and it kind of turns into this supernatural thing where she starts hearing like weird sounds and seeing things and you think it's like a ghost but it's not any it's not a regular ghost it's a shark ghost that's after how her. seamless is the cgi of the, the shark CGI ghost? is hilarious and this shark ghost literally just like it just looks like a regular shark and it just it like swims through the air almost towards does, her does it have red eyes i mean it this doesn't is have not red eye. it's the just first... a regular like cgi shark that just like appears and like floats this is not the first shark ghost there's been shark exorcist there's been ghost shark there's been the fake ghost shark 2 which is not a sequel to ghost shark it's its own thing well it's interesting you mentioned that cuz the director of this movie is um a guy named uh, Jose Montesinos, and he's actually fairly prominent in the uh, Asylum, like sci-fi TV movie director thing. So he's actually made a bunch of like cheesy shark movies, like Five Headed Shark Attack, and I think there's a couple others. But he's made a bunch of stuff for Asylum and uh, sci-fi, which usually I'm not really a big fan of or anything. And I don't, yeah, you're not usually a fan of those either. I don't think, um, yeah, those movies kind of suck, but you can definitely see his sense. Of, it makes for a weird sense of tone for this movie. Uh, this movie's not like those at all. I wouldn't say it's like an overboard cheesy thing, but it definitely has a sense of humor to it and a sense of self-awareness, but it also plays most of it dead serious. So it's really hard to tell what kind of tone this guy's going for for this movie. Because on one hand, it's like a really serious examination of a woman like coming to terms with like a massive trauma in her life, especially one that claimed the lives of two people really close to her. Um, and there's and actually the lead actress is quite good in it. I, I actually was impressed by her. She has a lot of feeling like that. There's a lot of long scenes where it's just like back and forth between her and her therapist, which are just really well done. But then there's also some really interesting moments of just like sharp humor that come out of it. Like her therapist says some weird things. The dialogue is kind of wonky here and there. And it just makes for this weird sort of like mishmash of tones that like honestly kind of is intriguing the whole way. I was like really engaged with this movie and just couldn't wait to see where it was going to go because the shark just keeps haunting her. And then she starts to become haunted by the um, like the dead souls of her sister and her boyfriend who kind of appear in an, almost like an American werewolf in London style way where they're all like torn up. And they play that. For, that's probably the weakest part of this because they play that for like laughs. You can tell it's he's just trying to do an American werewolf in London, but it's not really that funny. And it just like the rest of the movie is actually quite good. So it just doesn't really jibe with that. The shark stuff is great, though. Her shark hallucinations are so funny the way it comes out of nowhere. Like this shark will just like pop out of like the window or like here and there. It's like it's too it's too good. And she sees these things where it'll like eat one of her like friends or something. And it's like a hallucination. But the way it's done is so funny. Um, the other thing I was really impressed with this movie, though, is 
honestly how kind of progressive it is. Um, so after there's also a character um, in this who's basically her girlfriend. So she gets in a relationship with with a woman um, after this who basically is like really understanding and she's like there for her. And basically she's talking to her therapist about it early in the movie and her therapist is being like, oh, like, is this like, oh, you're like dating a woman now? Like, is that part of the trauma? And and uh, the lead character is just like, oh, no, I'm just like I'm bisexual. You know, I've, I've dated women before. She's just like really great. And the rest of the movie, like, it's actually a really sweet relationship she has with this woman, this other woman. And uh, I just thought it was really, really refreshing how much it normalized LGBT relationships, whereas you don't usually – I feel like usually when there's like relationship like that, it's kind of like the focal point of it or it's like, you know, like it's a, it's an LGBT movie. But in this, it's just like super normalized that they comment on it right away. But then it's just like pushed to the side and then it's just treated like any other normal relationship in a movie like it should be. Right. So that actually and it actually like that was probably the best part about it for me, like the emotional arc of that relationship. I don't was, know, Mark, you talking about it sounds like it's your movie of the year here. It was really honestly, this is probably the best movie I've seen so far in 2021. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to hit it right now. <laughs> Eight days. I in. know before I close this off, though, I will say it has one critical flaw that almost soured me on this movie. The ending is um, I- I'm a little sad and you didn't watch this because the ending totally I don't want to say ruins this movie because I still want people to watch it, but it kind of ruins this movie. The last one. Oh, no. Has she been dead the entire time? Wow. Did you write this movie? (laughs) (laughs) No. That's the worst ending that you can do. Well, maybe we should have prefaced this with a spoiler alert. Yeah. All right. We'll just say if you want to watch this movie, and I do recommend watching this movie because it is a good time. Um, the ending, it is one of those lame ass twists where she's been dead. This is like the whole thing is her like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Jacob's ladder, uh, incident on our Creek. So it basically ends off where it goes to like, everything seems fine. She seems to kick her, like her trauma. Like she's not getting the hallucinations anymore. So if you just stop the movie before that happened, you'd be okay. Well, you kind of think it's happening, right? Cause it all seems like it's wrapping up. It's all happy, but there's still like 10 minutes left in it. So you're like, oh no. And then she's like hanging around her house and things are starting to get a little weird and you're like oh no something's gonna happen and then the shark ghost ends up getting her cut to like an operating table and she's on the operating table and they've lost her she's like that's oh, she's literally gone. the ending of jacob's Ladder. i know i know and then you find out that her it was even worse as you find out her girlfriend is one of the operating surgeons and then the therapist is one of the operating surgeons so it's also you know one of those things where it's like oh she's seeing these two people that are like but you know what the whole movie is like so well done as like an exploration of how to deal with trauma and grief that like to tack on that like ending it makes it totally makes no sense first of all and it also just makes no sense in terms of the themes like what is this guy going for then like because it actually seems to be this sweet kind of film and then he like sucker punches you at the end and you're like okay i guess i'm just supposed to feel bad now like what is the because then it just like goes right to the end credits that's it it's over so i will say that almost kind of ruins it but Putting aside that, I quite enjoyed this film. I thought this was going to be terrible. It is lower budget, and I thought it was going to be, like, really low budget, bottom of the mid. I mean, it's from ITN, who have released a ton of those, like, Russian movies we've talked about. And just, 
a lot of bargain, like bottom of the barrel stuff. But you know what? This is a really interesting so, uh, film. And I, I would should recommend this. Uh, end this with saying that the director of this film actually co-stars in a Gold Ninja video release that's coming out this month. Ooh, let's plug it. What is uh, it? It's Unlucky Stars. It hasn't come out yet because the director of, and star of Unlucky Stars actually starred in one of this director's films which goes under a million titles. I, it's like Pit Fighter and Brawler. So, oh, okay, yep. okay. Cool, yeah, no, I'm just looking it up now. This looks really fun, actually. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure I'll probably mention it uh, next week. Yeah, it's like Unlucky Stars is crazy because it's a bunch of stunt people made it in 2015, including the villain of the film would go on to be Captain America's stunt double in the Marvel films, second unit director, and he directed Extraction, that Chris Hemsworth's movie. Oh my god, I've seen that one. <laughs> and he's the villain of this picture. Bunch of talent, buy Unlucky Stars, goldenindividuo.com, or, you know, whenever it's going to come to Bay Street Video. Anyway, so that's it. That's all the movies this that's week. That's it. That's all there is. It's uh, Shark Week here on the Bay Street Video podcast and i for one was pretty happy so until next week my name is justin clue and i'm mark hansen keep on buying and keep on renting shark movies these movies and many more are available at your local video store and david arquette stuff still let's just uh... i mean you don't practice what you <laughs> preach mark i know i know i'm sorry i'll catch up i'll catch up <laughs>